the review that Variety gave us when we first went on the air in September of 1966. Won't work. What was your impetus for this project? What, where, where did it start? In November of last year, I approached about the idea of doing a documentary on as a part of the celebration of the anniversary of the original series. And the minute I suggested this to he was in. The president said, I love it. You asked in Iraq, get your budget out of my face. It's gone. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You have to be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Kids, it's your old pal, ML Elric, stuck in a time warp because we are here in 2022 and we are going to be talking about Kwame Kilpatrick, which is so... 2002 so 2008 so can't get away from them 2015 so 2021 but you know what the man is in the news and for whatever reason i have been chosen to be the person who tries to keep the record straight who tries to keep the 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 truth flame lit well you're chosen because you sat through that whole trial and there's so many people i'll never forget when uh, daniel ferguson was here and he got parts of the trial wrong because you actually sat for the whole trial. He spoke authoritatively about things that he had never seen or heard before. So that's not uncommon with the uh, Kilpatrick coterie. But, uh, but uh, in the same way that, that God may have chosen Kilpatrick for all kinds of things, apparently he's chosen me to try and keep the record straight. And so we will do that as we're joined by Alan Lengel, the editor of Deadline Detroit, DeadlineDetroit.com, a great news site in Detroit. We encourage you to subscribe and become a member, who has written a column urging Kilpatrick to be freed. He was freed, um, and he spoke with him, I think, before any other reporter last week, and you can see that full interview at DeadlineDetroit.com. So we're going to be talking to Alan a little bit about his Kilpatrick, because I think his Kilpatrick is a little different from my Kilpatrick, and certainly... Uh, the mayor likes Alan better than he likes me, which uh, a lot of people feel that way too. So I don't know if that's necessarily a Kilpatrick thing. Well, I'm one of them. Yeah. What? I mean, huh? Oh, damn. <laughs> Are you channeling Sean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Sean is not here, by the way, because he is still recovering from a nasty bout of COVID. So, um, so he has a different excuse for being lethargic today. <laughs> and we hope that he will be back with us next week. We, we wish him Godspeed in his, in his recovery. And uh, a couple other things we're going to touch on before we go. Um, had a very chance and bizarre encounter in East Lansing last week that we're going to talk about. Another one of my greatest hits uh, routines. And a, little, a few words about the Clark Park Classic, our outdoor charity hockey game that I started in southwest Detroit in 2015 with Mike Rattai. The game is this Saturday. That's January 22nd. So we're going to talk a little bit about the game and see if maybe you want to come on and have a beer with me on Saturday. But uh, but first, Mark, we should probably thank the people who make this show possible. Oh, yeah. Let's start with uh, Hall Financial because everybody needs to get some money out of their house. And we know rates are going to go up this year, right? Everybody knows that. That's not a secret anymore. Maybe three times. Yeah. That's uh, it's the rumor. That's what the feds are saying. So right now is the chance to lock in a good rate. 
because um, you don't, once again, don't know when they're going to go up. You need to call Hall Financial right now. You can get started with a free five-minute mortgage review. So that's all it takes. Five minutes, they're going to look at your financial situation and help you lower your monthly mortgage payment. Their number one priority at Hall Financial is client service. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews. So why would you go anywhere else? After all, you went there, ML. Multiple I, times. Yes, that's right. You can't fact, stop getting mortgages. I, I would love to do another deal with them. I just I just really need to have a job before, my, <laughs> well, thinking, before when you, my numbers come back. Yeah, when you get that job, then get it all checked out. And they can close your loan in eight business days or less, the fastest in the industry. So how do you get a hold of them? It's 866-CALL-HALL. That's 866-CALL-HALL. Or chat with them online at callhallfirst.com. And when you call them, make sure you let them know that, that ML sold Please do. Detroit yeah. sent you. Yeah. And I was looking at my... Uh, my uh, IRA and uh, something happened to it that I wasn't really pleased with, but I know there's a guy out there who would say, just don't worry about it. I well, got, that I guy got. is Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, but what jumped out? <laughs> there was a big drop and I know the market had a, had a, some, some ups and downs at the end of the year, but, but I had a precipitous drop and uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is, but um but when you have Luke Nowacki working yeah. with you, he makes it all about, oh, wait, that's too early for that. No, he, he's the guy who can explain those things. Yes. Who can get you in the right deal and who can also make sure that, uh, as I'm trying to do, you just, you just stay cool, stick with the plan. Yeah, he'll provide you. How do you come up with a plan? That's where Luke comes Call from. him, 248-663-4748 for rational financial advice. If you're like ML and you open it up and go, well, what happened? What do I do? Get advice. Get a strategy. Call Luke. Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Because he will talk you off the ledge and make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. So thanks. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Luke. When you call them, please let them know that you found out about them through the show. Because uh, without them, we're not here. And without us, you probably have something better to do. So, well, yeah, call them anyway. Um, <laughs> so on Twitter, I'm at Elric. And on Facebook, I'm ML Elric. I posted something about today's show that said, Kwame Kilpatrick's least favorite Detroit reporter speaks with Kwame Kilpatrick's favorite Detroit reporter. Now, that's somewhat tongue-in-cheek. But, Alan, I think, I think you and the mayor have uh, have developed quite a rapport over the years. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, you know what? I, I didn't know him in uh, you know the time that you knew him, really. So I, I've sort of known him in more post, post-prison. Uh, you know, I wrote, it's interesting. I wrote a column in 2018. Uh, the column doesn't say Kwame Kilpatrick's innocent. Kwame, you know, the, it said, hey, he, he was guilty. He needed to serve time. Uh, having covered federal court for decades... I had never seen a 28-year sentence for something like that. I thought it was excessive. And, and I wrote about that. I, I said, it's really not so much about Kwame Kilpatrick. It's about the integrity of the justice system. And I thought there was not justice in that sentencing. And he did say that people started using that column. It went to the White House, and it did precipitate a conversation. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I, you know, it is, it is what it is. It's, it's not, I'm not trying to suck up to him. I, I mean, we have, 
developed a little bit of a rapport. It's not, we're not hanging out. We're not having beers or whatever, but uh, I, you know, I know the conversation is, is he changed? I'd like to think so. I didn't know him before. I knew of him certainly, but. Well, and, and uh, you had a chance, I think mostly you've spoken to him over the phone. Was this the first time uh, when you sat down with him last week on the Avenue of fashion? Was that the first time you've been face to face in the same room with the great man? Well, you know, besides the trial where, you know, maybe I, you know, he'd be walking down the hallway, maybe sure. I'd nod my, nod my head or something like that. But that was the first time we actually met face to face and sat down. So uh, it was interesting. You know, I don't know, you know, the, the interview, he seemed humble, but I don't know, you know, people, you know, people afterwards saw it and said, oh, he's, that's, that's an act. That's not who he is. He's, he's going to be the same old Kwame. Uh, I don't, you know, like I said, I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt and probably, you know, sometimes too much so, but um, I, I hope he does well. I mean, you know, what's the benefit? I mean, he, he, of him not doing well for, for anyone except, uh, you know, a lot of people saying, I told you so. I feel like he's fairly predictable. When you hear him ask a question, you kind of know what he's going to say. Did he answer anything that surprised you when you talked to him, Alan? You, you know what? I, I have to say I was a little disappointed because I, you know, actually, uh, I thought we were getting exclusive, but I, I didn't know that. But he, and he didn't say that. But when I got to the clothing store, Josh Landon from Fox 2 was doing a very lengthy uh, interview. And we were supposed to start our interview at 1215. It was about 1235. And then Kwame said, oh, my gosh, I got to get to a dentist appointment. Can we uh, do this in five or ten minutes? And I like, so I did not get to answer or ask all the questions. Uh, I thought he was, you know, for what the question, I wanted to get deeper into it and, and, and ask some, you know, more probing questions. But, I mean, he answered what he, did, he didn't really dodge. He, he didn't dodge any questions that I asked him. I, I like that one question you had where you said, where's the money, bitch? Huh. <laughs> That's usually the last I mean, question people you know, ask. I did, but... I did have people ask, you know, I mean, in, in my first interview I had on the phone, uh, he said he did have an intention of uh, repaying what he owes, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in, yeah, right. in restitution and stuff. So, you know, and I, and I think, look, this, this path is certainly going to, I think, open opportunities for him financially. Uh, and, and I think everybody hopes that it's, it's, he does it the right way. Well, his, his dad always said he should come out as a preacher. And certainly we covered all his bills while he was in the state house, when he was in the Manoogian mansion and then when he was in the big house. So it'd be nice if he could start, you know, paying his own expenses. But, but I, I, I think it's interesting when you watch the interview, I'm going to post it uh, on our website, which is ML soul of Detroit dot com but um when i do an interview like that particularly with a, a big newsmaker particularly with someone who um has a little bit of a, a history uh maybe more infamous than famous it's kind of tough because you always i think you feel like you want to develop a rapport you want to ask some i don't want to say necessarily softer questions but you kind of want to just prime the pump and, and get get the flow going because if you come sure. in right away and you say something like Hey, so, uh, you know, prison sucks, huh? It, it kind of puts a damper on the interview. And right. in watching your interview, you know, you ask some good questions, some questions I think people will be interested to hear the answer to. 
But it does seem like just as you're starting to get into some of the, you know, here we're going to go rock them, sock them robots, it's like, okay, I got to go, got to go to the dentist. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was hoping for more time. And, and like I said, I would have liked to have asked, uh, you know, some more probing questions. And you're right. I mean, you sit down with somebody uh, right away. I mean, you know, even if you're meeting somebody for, for a business lunch or something like that, normally you don't sit down immediately and say okay so here's what we have here's the numbers here's blah 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 you sit down hey how's it going what's going on how was your you know oh my god it was a terrible drive over here or mm-hmm. you know oh i've had a rough morning or it's been a great morning or whatever i mean there's some niceties that are exchanged and, and you sort of ease into stuff and I, I think that's anything i mean we're dealing people with people you know and so and then we've been, we've, you know, we've been in the business for so long. We interview people. We know how it's, how it's done. And we know we don't, you know, there's, you know, huh. some nice niceties that are created before so. you get into it. And, you know, like I said, I was, I, I mean, he answered all the questions I asked. He, he was, he had a dentist appointment at one o'clock. I know he was late for it. Uh, and I, I did get about almost 20 minutes instead of five or 10, which I, five or 10, I was like, Oh my God, what can we do? And I, even during that time, I'm, I'm trying to touch all four corners of what I want to get to. So, but, but you thought you were going to have an exclusive and then you find out that Langdon, Josh Langdon is there. How, how did this come about? I mean, it's almost like well, he's doing a media tour to launch this online ministry right. to make more money. Right. I mean, to make it clear, I mean, he did not tell me that it was an sure. exclusive. I, sure. I, we, we had, uh, you know, I reached out to him and he said, I'm going to be in, this was maybe in November. Uh, he said, I'm going to be in January 8th or whatever. Why don't we get together? But but the, uh, the timing is perfect because he announces that, you know, he's got a child on the way and right. he's getting his name. This I thought Fox 2, uh, I thought their interview was just embarrassing for Fox 2. It was like a reclamation project. No hard hitting questions. It was, I don't know. It, I thought that one was ridiculous ridiculous so it's clear what he's trying for me it's clear what he's trying to do here well i saw you know i i said i was, was standing right there when the interview was going on so i probably listened to about i don't know 20 minutes to a half hour but uh i thought it was interesting and i so i haven't watched the fox 2 thing partly because I, I watched a lot of it i thought one of the interesting things during that fox 2 and i don't know if it made the cut when he was talking about donald trump Kwame was talking about Donald Trump and he said, look, um, you know, he, he did one of the greatest things. He gave a man freedom and stuff. And I'm not going to make all these judgments and I'm not going to get into all his politics, he says, because when I was doing politics and I was helping out with the state Democrats, he says, I'd be doing commercials up in Alpena that were basically I was you know, helping them make commercials that were anti-Detroit. It was like, what's that sucking sound in the state of Michigan? It's Detroit sucking up all the stuff. He goes, I was involved in that. So he says, I can't be hypocritical and, and criticize <laughs> some of the stuff that Trump. I thought that was an inter- that was one of the more interesting insights, I thought, into what was going on. But uh, well, it certainly does yeah. show the transactional side of Kilpatrick, because at the same time he was doing campaigning for people up north. This is when he was a state rep, and he was hoping to become the Speaker of the House. But as it happened, the Democrats did not win the majority, so he became the Democratic leader. But, yeah, he was he was going to dog sledding up north and, you know, yeah. campaigning for other lawmakers, trying to, trying to earn that uh, those chits that he could cash in when he had the vote for, uh, for leader. But at the same time, when he ran for mayor, 
he said uh, he said Michigan was the Mississippi of the North. So he right away flipped the outstate people he was he was shilling for into uh, into hayseeds if it suited him. And in the same way that he was very obsequious with Trump, you know, oh, we're the same way. We've been wrongly accused. We've been persecuted by the evil media. I can relate to you. You know, he's willing to be what he has to be yeah. to get what he wants. And that, that certainly seems to be very consistent. And and there's a question that you asked him that I thought was, was particularly insightful. And Mark, if, if we can play uh, cut one. How about people who say, eh, Kwame, eh, he's, I, I don't trust that he's going to be back to the same... Yeah. Whatever it's the same Kwame. I don't. I don't believe that he's changed. Or would, Th- those are the people that I like the most. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm. I guess he likes me now. But um, but you know he he kind of took that on and and went on to say that um, you know they're going to watch me and they're going to see that I'm different. But but to those of us who have seen him in both Allen's interview and in the one he did with Josh Landon. Um, you know, he, the one thing that I saw that seemed to me to suggest there hasn't been a huge change and it's, it's, and it's unfair to say that the man hasn't changed. He's been in prison for quite a while and that has to have an impact on you. But what hasn't changed is that it's all about him. Mm -hmm. And, and there were some, there were some comparisons he made, um, in the Josh Landon interview that had me thinking, here we go. Kwame Kilpatrick still thinks he's Jesus. Joe, can you play cut two for us? I don't believe that there's a new Kwame Kilpatrick. I just believe that there's a completely new creation altogether. I don't believe that you can have resurrection without crucifixion. Wow. So now he's been crucified. And I don't know if that makes me Pontius Pilate or if the feds are somehow, uh, (laughs) you know, the Roman centurions who dragged him up uh, and put him on the cross. But... um, I think we all hope that he's a changed man. I hope. I think we all hope that uh, that he's going to straighten out and fly right. I don't believe but, it. But to say that he was crucified, I, I seem to remember Jesus didn't do anything wrong, whereas Mr. Kilpatrick was convicted of almost two dozen counts of public corruption and, frankly, bears the bulk of the responsibility for this city being bankrupt. And while his sentence was commuted by President Trump, there are Detroit retirees and Detroit current employees who are going to suffer until the end of their days because of the haircut they had to take in their pensions, because of the city's bankruptcy, and because of any number of things that happened, because this man always put himself first. He thought he, well, let me, he could walk on water, and, and not when it was frozen and he was wearing skates. Okay. Let, me, I, I'll, I'll, let me say, I, I know the, the payout on his lawsuit and, and all that was... Uh, Kind of atrocious, but uh, I, I think it's unfair. I think the city of Detroit had been having financial problems for a long, long time. I think Kwame Kilpatrick, and you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. You've covered you covered everything much closer than I did, but my my sense was Kwame Kilpatrick was just kind of carrying on the tradition of of the management of the city of Detroit to just borrow more money and borrow more money until. It was, I mean, I'm not sure he was doing anything so differently than some of the previous administrations, and I could be wrong, and if you correct me on that, I'll... Where's, I, I where's think our it's Trump a little drop? unfair to throw <laughs> out... 
No, I think it's a little unfair to just blame him and say, you know, the city was bankrupt. It wasn't suddenly. I mean, we're talking well, about an impoverished city that, that had been on the decline for so long. I, I don't know that suddenly it's like Kwame Kilpatrick uh, steps in there and, and takes the burden of all the, the, the history of Detroit. Well, so so here's some key points on that, and I'm glad we're talking about this because this is something that people forget or don't know. Um, When Mayor Archer became mayor in the early 90s, the city was facing uh, a financial catastrophe. And one of the reasons why uh, I'm involved in this fundraiser for Clark Park is because the mayor, Mayor Archer, closed Clark Park as a city recreation center because the city couldn't afford it. He adjusted the city's budget to its revenues and the neighborhood came together to keep Clark Park open, which is a wonderful story about Detroiters coming together to help Detroiters. But Mayor Young laid off hundreds, maybe thousands of police officers when he had to during the 70s to balance the budget. Mayor Archer made uh, deep cuts when he came in to try and get the city back on its uh, on, on firm financial footing. And as Mayor Archer was leaving office, he instituted, and he, he was in office by the end in, in sort of a, a, uh, a financial, um, you know, it was, it was a very good time. But he recognized that the city was headed for trouble in the early 2000s, and he had a contract on the table for city unions that offered uh, a couple percent raises and some other stuff. He took those contracts off the table because he realized the city couldn't afford the raises. He instituted 10% across the board budget cuts before he left office. And he told Kilpatrick as he was leaving that, hey, there's some tough times coming. You need to be ready for that. And when he left, there was a surplus and there's money in the rainy day fund. Kilpatrick immediately came in, spent down the surplus, depleted the rainy day fund. And then when Kilpatrick became mayor, one of the better things he did was negotiate deals for permanent casinos in Detroit. Well, you know how it is here, temporary, permanent, permanent, temporary, you know, all this foolishness. But there was a lot of money that came in. There's like a $150 million payment that came in, spent that. And the casino tax, that was a brand new source of revenue, or at least a, a, a source of revenue that had become very robust very early in Kilpatrick's tenure. So he had new money to help balance the budget, and he sure. didn't. He did not adjust the city's spending. Uh, he did have some cutbacks in state aid, which a lot of cities had to deal with, none of whom went bankrupt. And then one of the other things with Kilpatrick, and I asked him this when he came back in 2012 or 13. I think it was 2012 because I was just starting at Fox 2. He was at a, an event uh, talking to the National Association of Black Journalists Detroit chapter. And I asked him, I said, what responsibility do you bear for the city's bankruptcy? And he said, I bear some of it because I didn't think the city was ready to take the kind of cuts that needed to be made. In other words, he wasn't willing to be the leader who said, guess what, folks, this is going to hurt, but we have to do this or we're going to lose control of our city. So he kind of fiddled while Rome burned. And certainly we do have some structural problems and I don't want to go into some sort of civics uh, finance lesson here, but Kwame Kilpatrick did what he thought he needed to do for Kwame Kilpatrick, even if the ultimate price would be paid for the residents and Detroit workers and, and people you know, he wants to skate on this was just an affair. He wants to skate on I got an outlandish sentence. He got the same sentence as a white guy in Cleveland who did less than he did, but we can leave that for another time. But this city's bankruptcy very much has Kwame Kilpatrick's fingerprints on it. 
Yeah, I'll say the white guy in Cleveland. I'll, I would say the same argument for for that guy as well. Twenty eight years was was excessive. I I think. I mean, what's the point? I mean, you give somebody fifteen years, you give them twenty eight years. I mean, what it is is that they can't pay any restitution now. Quite look, Kwame's going to be able to pay some. You know, hopefully, we'll see some restitution there. Uh, the guy. Or he could claim you know, he only has six bucks again, like he did last time. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I, I, I think. You know, it's it's just what's the, what's the point? I mean, did Kwame if Kwame had gotten fifteen years, uh, would it have been that? I mean, he would have you know not seen his children grow up, he, which he didn't even even during uh, the eight years that he served. Uh, you know, his his marriage dissolved, which it may have dissolved anyways. Uh, and yeah, part that, of his that banging other chicks doing. might have been a factor in that more than the yeah, going to prison. Right. Well, all those things right. are because of things he did. You know, I mean, he did the crime. Um, I, I was amazed too, and, and I can't remember. I must have been the Fox Two interview. He doesn't seem to really know why uh, Donald Trump uh, is it commuted his sentence or what? I don't, I don't know. What I the, think it's a commutation. Yeah, it's not a yeah, pardon. Yeah, it's a commutation. You, right, it's not a pardon. But do you believe he doesn't know uh, why he uh, was so lucky? No, I think. Well, I think he explained it that uh, you know he he said. Somebody came to the White House with Jared, Jared Kushner and stuff like that. Jared Kushner was helping him out. And I said, why would Jared Kushner help you out? And he says, well, because his father, you know, Jared Kushner's father was a sleazebag who tried to uh, blackmail his brother-in-law. Uh, and, and he got he got a couple of years and he got off after uh, he was released because uh, of, uh, I think, some drug issues or whatever. There was something going on. But... Uh, I, I think he has an idea. I think he yeah, just he, decided people went to Trump. They went, you know, with the argument. They went with with the column, with the other argument, saying, look, this is really, you know, he, he said the column popped up and they said, here is evidence that it's not just Kwame Kilpatrick and his friends who think he got too much time, that he got, you know, there was an injustice there. And I, I think they saw that as an opening, but there was a lot of discussions going on. There was a lot of back, you know, discussions going on and i think trump just said all right let's do it yeah, and I, I also uh, think, I, I think he may not have understood everything that trump was thinking but i don't know that anyone could ever understand everything that trump is thinking no and maybe not even trump himself but we, huh. we talked about his uh, appeal for leniency uh, on this show geez a couple years ago and um and i always thought that it would be a genius political move by Trump to let Kilpatrick out in time to be involved in the 2020 presidential campaign. The fact that Trump waited until the final hours of his, of his presidency is really the only thing about the release that, that surprised me. I, I thought if he wouldn't let him out in time to help him, he wouldn't let him out at all. But, but I think there were some influential people with a lot of money who, uh, who appealed to Trump as well as people who had worked with, with Kim Kardashian, but you know, just, just right. it, it, briefly. And, and I think, you know, arguing whether or not Kilpatrick got enough time or not is, is sort of whistling past the graveyard. Cause he got the sentence he got and he's free now. And, and we, you know, frankly, on a personal level, I'm glad for his sons that he is free because to be without your father and when you love your father is, is a terrible thing. Uh, now right. he probably should have thought about that when he was stealing and cheating and whatever, but but we're past that now. But just uh, as a last note, and I'll give you the last word on this: that twenty-eight year sentence. Those sentences are determined by guidelines. It's determined by whether you're a public official. That enhances the sentence. How much money you got 
as a part of your corrupt schemes, how many counts you were convicted of, and the kind of counts you were convicted of. And in fact, the guidelines called for him getting more time. The uh, judge kind of gave him somewhere in the mid-range of what prosecutors were looking for. So, I mean, there was, there was a formula. Federal sentences are decided based on uh, a grid where you put things in and it spits out a number. Nobody made up that Kwame Kilpatrick should get 28 years. And, and, and frankly, the fact that he was a public official, that's one of the reasons he got so much time because the system is set up to say if you take an oath to serve the people and instead you cheat them, you're going to be real sorry. So don't do it. Well, I, okay, I, that's, that's one way of looking at it. I think it's a, a little bit too black and white. To, there's a reason that the guidelines uh, became, were no longer mandatory. Uh, I, I covered a lot of cases when, when those guidelines were mandatory, and, and judges would go like, this is not fair. I really don't agree with this, but I, my hands are tied. We have to do this because we have these mandatory sentencing guidelines. Now they're just guidelines. And, and I think sometimes they work and sometimes they're totally out of whack. And so I think to just plug in numbers and, and, and this and that, I mean, you can do that. But I, I don't think it really is. It, it's Look, if he had gotten 15 years, wouldn't I, I mean... If you don't think of that as a deterrent, if you don't think of that as punitive, I mean, I, like I say, I think the guidelines are just what they are. They're just guidelines. They don't always fit. It's not all, everything fits all, and, and they're not always appropriate. And, and I think in this case, it was not appropriate. They, you know, certainly the government argued based on the guidelines, and, and so they weren't out of, out of bounds in that, but, it, you know, the and you know, to be honest, I, I think the judge may have had some second thoughts about those uh, about those sentences because they're they're just they just don't really they don't make sense. And plus, we're paying we end up paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to put away somebody like Kwame Kilpatrick for all these excessive years for what? I mean, what's what's the benefit? To, uh, is he? I think he he got the message. He did something wrong. I mean, like I say, if he had gotten fifteen years. He'd gotten 12 years even. Uh, I think he would have gotten the message that it was punitive and there was something wrong. It'd be nice if he admitted that uh, he got something wrong because I just feel like that, I don't know, maybe it needs to be clear. But um, I wanted to ask you, does he still drive at a tremendous amount of traffic to uh, DeadlineDetroit.com? I mean, is he does he still a guy uh, that gets a lot of eyeballs? I would, I, you know, tremendous is, is, I would not say tremendous. I, I'd say very, you know, we we definitely got some good traffic off of that. It was it wasn't like we've we've done a lot better with some other ones and some other ones that you wouldn't ex- that you know we've aggregated something and taken us fifteen minutes sure. to write uh, where we've done a lot better. I mean, he did it did decent, but you know, there's no question. I you know there there was a debate on nine ten a.m. You know, I, I helped co-host the show on Saturdays with Adolf Mongo. And there was a debate whether we should, uh, who cares about Kwame Kilpatrick mm-hmm. anymore. And one of the co-hosts, Vanessa Moss, who's a, an attorney, uh, she was like, I don't care about Kwame anymore. I don't need to hear about him. And I didn't, you know, I'm not going to give Deadline, you know, the traffic. And, okay. and you know, and she's, she's a supporter of Deadline. She donates, you know, contributes to us. So it's not, 
personal to the deadline, but she feels like there's, there's resentment, you know, and it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a black and white thing. You know, there are a lot of black people who are, you know, we see that on Facebook, on social media, where there are, you know, some of our black readers are still angry at Kwame and are, are, are not sympathetic at all. So, but the question is, is there interest? And I, I have an interest in the history and I, and I appreciate Mike, uh, his budgetary, uh, <laughs> you know, little, insights there because I, I i i'd forgotten a lot and i you know i haven't followed things so closely but i feel like the mayors are sort of markers or milestones in the history of detroit i interviewed coleman young for four hours back in 1984 or 85 beginning of 85 uh on his battle with the fbi for 40 years uh i mean i i you know I, I find, you know, the mayors are a significant part of our history here. And so he's, Kwame's part of our history, good or bad. It's, uh, you know. Sure. And, and, you know, to those people saying, you know, why are we talking about this now? He came back here. Mm -hmm. If he, if he stayed down in Texas, if he decided to just hang out in Atlanta, um, we wouldn't be talking about it. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that his Detroit privileges are revoked. That is not uh, something for me to decide. Most of his family, when there was nothing left for him in Detroit, they beat feet for someplace else, which I think says something to you about their commitment to the city that they helped put in the position that it was in when they left. But uh, be that as it may, you're still free to move about the country. Um, but when he comes home, I don't think we'd really know about it. Maybe some word of mouth, except he makes himself available for yeah. these interviews because he wants the attention because it serves well, his purposes it, and, and because, you know, he still wants something from us. Right. Money. Look, he's start, he's launching, uh, you know, on the 20th tomorrow, uh, he's going to launch, it's called, I think, movemental ministries. And, uh, it's going to be a virtual ministry. Now who knows who Kwame Kilpatrick is outside of Detroit? I mean, you know, People have heard of him and stuff, but who, who has the greater interest but Detroiters? So who's going to be probably at least the, the starting foundation of his ministry is probably going to be a lot of Detroiters. That's my, you know, there could be some folks in Atlanta if he, you know, he makes himself, he gives himself a profile in Atlanta. But for the most part, uh, Detroit is really, I mean, he's doing it from Georgia, but I think Detroit is going to be an integral part of his uh, ministry. Sure, and, and I, I told Alan I was going to give him the last word on, on whether the 28 years was, was fair. And I think I, think I kind of have, but I want to give maybe Kilpatrick the last word on what happened to him. And this is one of the things that uh, he talked to about, uh, he talked to Josh Landon about on Fox 2. Do you feel you were treated unfairly in the public eye? I, I just can't talk about it being unfair. I think it was necessary. Um, you know, I, I was so angry at Channel 2 and 4 and 7 and Free Press and, and the reporters. And I'm just not anymore because uh, <laughs> it was pretty good that I was afflicted. And uh, I don't know where I'd be if I would have just been able to keep going like I was going. Um, and so I needed all of that to sustain the strength, the confidence, and the courage that I have now in proclaiming the Word of God. I don't believe that I would have the tenacity that I have for it, but for all that I went through. And so 
No, I know a lot of people think it was unfair and this was, you know, they pronounced a 28 year sentence on me and people say that was ridiculous. Well, I didn't do it. <laughs> so did, did I deserve it? I don't know. So he didn't do it. Um, <laughs> this all had to happen for him. He's not sure where he would have been if we hadn't gone through what we went through. Well, on behalf of the marriages that were ruined, on behalf of the, the police officers whose careers he tried to ruin, on behalf of the city workers who uh, suffered, on behalf of the neighborhoods that suffered, on behalf of everything that the city went through because of his corrupt, incompetent administration, um, you know, I'm glad we could help. You're welcome. I, I, I would say, you know, during the first interview I had with him, I, I, I had a lot of time to to maneuver and kind of ask questions. Uh, and I did ask him uh, about, about the crimes. And he, he basically was, he said, I don't really want to go back there and relive <laughs> everything and do stuff. So he kind of, that he avoided. I mean, that was, I mean, of, of the whole interview, I thought, I thought it was a, a really good interview. I was happy with it. That was the one part where I was a little bit disappointed that I would have liked to for him to just put it out there and said, "Look, this is what happened," uh, and he he felt, and uh, you know, I'm not get right or wrong. He felt like uh, we shouldn't go back and start mulling over. And I I understand that he didn't want the interview, the headline to be "Kilpatrick finally admits he's a crook." Uh, he wanted something more moving forward and stuff like that. And so I totally get where he was coming from on that. So, Well, in, yeah. in the same way that you can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion, <laughs> I don't think you can have redemption without remorse and without admitting that you did something wrong. So I, I, I'm not here to beat up on Kwame Kilpatrick. I mean, we used to be pretty friendly. He tried many times to hire me uh, early in his administration and uh, if I had a chance to sit down with him and have a conversation, I'd love to do that because there are some redeeming characteristics about the man. But to pretend he's that, a charming guy. I well, mean, I, 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 yeah. I like the guy, but you know. Oh, believe me, a, that's why I'll be a great guy. preacher. Yeah, he walks yeah. into a room. I walk into a room. Everybody's like, "Tell that funny-looking white dude to get the hell out of here." I'm talking to Quam, but yeah. um, but I, I think I want him to go forward and to do well. But I think for him to pretend that what he did to this city, the trauma that he created in this, in this, you know, the extortion, the, uh, the, the businesses that were ruined, the lives that were ruined, you can't pretend that didn't happen because it did. And I saw it and it broke my heart and it bothers me, I guess, on a personal level that doesn't seem to bother him. It's all about now it's time for me to yeah. do well again. Um, I hope you do well, but you can't drive away from the fatal car crash and say shit happens. Or actually in this case, say, I don't know if shit happens. People told me shit happened. I'm just driving. Yeah. I was just driving fast, uh, drunk, uh, you know, on the wrong way on the highway and shit happened. You know, don't blame me. And I think he's going to bother a lot of people. And, and Ralph even commented on the Facebook page about he's preaching to us now what is right and what is wrong. It just, it's a he said it was a total joke and it does seem it does feel that way when there's like no remorse that how do you how do you if you don't accept what you did wrong how do you tell us what's right and wrong yeah he's an amazing talented man who could reach a lot of people and when he was a teacher he reached a lot of kids and he really could have been someone 
I don't want to say he could have been Christ-like for the city of Detroit, but he really could have been one of the heroes of this city. He could have been one of the greatest mayors of our lifetime and maybe of any time, but, um, but the flaws he still refuses to admit are the reason why he's not, which isn't to attack Alan. Alan did a great job. Alan has done a really good job presenting uh, what Mr. Kilpatrick has to say, challenging him on things. And, and we really appreciate you getting the mayor to sit down and uh, say a few words before he got flossed. <laughs> now you might say that Josh Landon got fleeced, but yeah. that was, and Josh I, is a nice guy. He's a good East side yeah, guy, nice but, guy, but I think, I think his approach to that was, Hey, I got an interview with a real famous guy. Let's talk about how he's feeling. And um, I'm more concerned about how regular people are feeling. And, uh, and, and Alan talked a little bit about this. I know on the campaign trail, I'd run into people who say, you're the guy who got Kilpatrick, good job. And then I'd run into people, in fact, it happened at the polls where people would say, don't, for, vote, vote, don't vote for him. He's the one who got Kilpatrick. He's the one who put Kilpatrick away. Don't vote for him. Um, yeah. You know, there's so. One yeah, person. He's still polarizing. There's strong feelings, you know, about him one way or another. People are very... Uh, you know, there's not a, new, a lot of neutrality about Kwame. Well, it's probably because of what ML just said. There was a lot of potential there. And yeah. he wasted it because he chose himself. He disappointed a lot of people, no question. Yeah. And there's only one person to blame, and that's Kwame Kilpatrick. But, I, you know, I'd be curious. I, I'm curious what, what, what with the new ministry, what his, what his footprint will be here in Detroit. And my... I, and this is totally speculative. I, at some point, I mean, if the base really just becomes Detroit or just grows and grows in Detroit, uh, you know, I, I would think it'd be a matter of time before there'd be a brick and mortar uh, church here. Without a doubt. In, in the city. That's got to be the long-term goal for him. Well, we'll see. But uh, for better or for worse, I'll be here to keep the record straight. And Alan, thanks for making news. We're going to have uh, DeadlineDetroit.com. You. you can check out the latest news that they're breaking there. And we'll also have a link to Alan's interview with the mayor uh, just before just before he got his enamel scraped. Sure. <laughs> we assume that's what he was a cleaning. I don't know. He didn't seem At to be in dentist, any, yeah. He didn't seem to have any swollen jaws or anything like that. So, so Alan, yeah. thanks very much. And uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Appreciate Alan. It. Uh, be you. Before we move on to Geek of the Week, you teased something that who, you ran into somebody up in East Lansing. Yeah, so uh, so I, I'm kind of last week was like a greatest shits tour for me. I, I was up in East Lansing taking uh, my daughter out for Wait, dinner. You were supposed to be birthday. isolating, weren't you? I'd gone through my five day oh, okay. isolation, so following the CDC guidelines. So whatever we were, they may be at any given time. Yeah, well, you know, my, my daughter was was concerned about that, um, and. Uh, and said that, um, uh, you know, she's teaching. And I said, CD, look at the CDC guidelines because whatever I whatever I heard last time, I you know I can't remember. And it said if you if you have been by someone who tested positive, you can be out and about, just wear a mask and you know, and, and a good mask, a ninety five mask if you can. So uh, so we were out at a sushi place in East Lansing. My my daughters go to Michigan State. And we're having a good old time with a few friends, and a dude walks in wearing a hoodie with a with a an older woman mm. has a seat on the other side of the restaurant. Nice. I don't really pay him any mind except they're sitting across me, so they're in my line of sight. So I see him, 
Then the guy takes off the jacket and I see he's got a sweatshirt that says NBA on the back. I'm like, okay, kind of a tall, skinny, balder guy. And then he turns and I notice it's friggin' Gabe Leland. <laughs> oh, really? He's sitting there at the sushi bar. Oh boy. So, uh, so we finish our dinner and I'm like, what am I going to say to this guy? You know, my, you know, I, I, my presence has never been anything that lifted his heart. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm a big believer that there's no reason for kicking anybody in, in, unless they're up or unless they're, you know, telling lies. Um, and, uh, so we, we wrap up and his back is to me. So I don't even know if he's, if he's even seen me, um, at that point, I'm pretty sure it's his mom who he's with. And I don't, I only met her once at a tailgate, but I, the first Leland story I did was busting his dad, Burton, yep. for claiming he lived in Detroit when he lived, really lived in East Lansing. So it makes sense. He's visiting mom in East Lansing. Maybe he's staying there. I don't know what's going on. So I'm like, okay, well, we're going to wrap up dinner. We're not going to intrude on them. So we're walking out of the restaurant and I hear this woman's voice say, ML, ML. And I first I'm like, well, and I, I look back, it's not the people we're with. And I hear it again. I'm like, I should go back and say hello. So I had a nice little chat with Gabe and his mother. And and Gabe said, Hey, you gave it a good fight, you know, gave it a shot, you know, all right. And I I told his oh, mother oh, in, in regards to running uh, for council. Yeah, and you knew he would bring that up just to just to twist it into you. Well, you know, and the other thing is, you know, one of the er- one of the early things I did in the race was say I'm getting into this race because Gabe Leland needs to resign. So yeah. I don't I don't know if he saw that or not. But I'm sure he did. But I did tell his is I I expressed my condolences to his mother for the loss of her husband, and uh, and she thanked me for that. And we just had kind of a, a pleasant little conversation. Um, I think his mom may have been more genuine than him. I'm not really sure. I don't know her well enough. But but you're exactly right with Leland. You know when he says that kind of stuff on some level he's like. Oh yeah, you know. So uh, it, it probably it's probably better for you it didn't work out because you're probably happier. Meaning, you know, yeah. You should have just said, "Well, it's not illegal to run." Well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at least uh, at least I wasn't forced to. Resign. But you know, the funny thing about it, he's such an odd dude. Yeah, I remember you telling me before he's kind of awkward. It's it's hard to know whether he's being legit. Like we now have a shared experience that we both ran for city council and both got the shit kicked. <laughs> now, of course, he got he got elected yeah. every time he ran, but. You know, I don't know if 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 the pleasantries were shared trauma, but but one thing he said to me that that I think maybe was genuine. He said, "It's probably better for for your family that that oh, what a jerk <laughs> that you didn't win because well, no, because what he said next is why I think there may have been something genuine there. He's like, you know, because for the next four years, wherever you go, people just they're going to be all over you. They're just not going to leave you alone, and, and unless you uh, do things by the book. Well, no, but, be less, but he, he means as a, as a council member, and this is why I ran for oh, city council, want, want is because you can help people. You, you yeah, you're very connected to to uh, your people. And so when they see you, they're like, hey, what's going on with this? We need this done. And I thought that was kind of a, 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 an on-point comment by him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, of course, the problem he had was that when he saw people, he wanted something from them, which uh, <laughs> became his undoing. But, you know, his mother said, hey, you walked out without saying hi. And I said, well, you know, I don't always bring joy to everybody who sees me. And so she's like, oh, yeah, okay. And and Gabe was like, well, you know, I, I, I always thought we had some interesting conversations. I, you know, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the interaction. Oh, please. No, he didn't. Like, he hid from you. Yeah, I mean, well, sometimes we'd meet and sometimes we wouldn't. It just, it just never, ever really went well. You should have said, he, what are you doing here? This isn't a titty bar. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, it, it, as we as we reveal at the free press, he he arranged some bribe payments at a strip club. But unlike, well, I guess very much like that strip club in Southwest Detroit, um, there were no strippers at this restaurant. So I guess it had that in common too. Yeah. Did you think of inviting him uh, to the Clark Park uh, hockey game? <laughs> Uh, you know, we didn't, you know, I thought we should probably wrap the conversation before there was an ask. I didn't I just, want to. I just wanted you to invite him somewhere. Well, actually, I thought about, I should invite him on the show. And so maybe I will I'd sometime. I'd love to have him on. He is an interesting dude and he's seen a few things and it would be, it would be very curious to catch up with him. But, uh, yeah, last week was old home week. Kwame Kilpatrick, <laughs> Gabe Leland. And keep following you. Else? And uh, Clark Park is this weekend. Clark Park is this weekend. We will put a link on our website. Uh, it's patronicity.com. If you want to go there, look for Clark Park. A couple listeners have been kind enough to follow uh, that website and make a donation to help the kids in southwest Detroit. Uh, this hockey game, it's uh, it's been so successful. We're hoping to raise $5,000 online. We're hoping that our entire fundraising effort, which includes the carnival. Winter carnival is free to everybody, noon to four. The hockey games are free to everybody. The women's game is at 6. The men's game that I play in is at 7.30. Um, these, these may raise $40,000 this year, which would be great because great. Yeah. last year we created an endowment, which means these games are going to support Clark Park in perpetuity. And when you support Clark Park, you're, you're supporting kids getting summer lunches, athletic programs year-round, uh, homework assistance, computer lab, and it's just a great place for a kid to spend time where they're going to be safe, where they're going to have positive adult role models, and where they can grow up the way a kid should grow up. So Clark Park, great place. You can find out more about them online. Just look for the Clark Park Coalition. If you want to make a donation, we sure would appreciate it. That's patronisty.com. Search for Clark Park, and you'll see it. Clark Park Classic 2022. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a... Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys? I have so, another entry this week, by the oh way. Oh no! A walk-on. Let's have it. Well, only because it just happened. Uh, but the Malik McDowell. Remember Malik uh, McDowell, the former Spartan? I believe he was number four or number two. I can't remember. Yeah, single digit. Yeah. Um, caused quite a stir before he even got into Michigan State with his mom and signing and dad and who's, letter. Yeah, yeah, is he committed? Is he not committed? And then he gets drafted and then has the ATV and maybe a head injury, but he's been arrested yet again. Right, right as he was trying to get back. I mean, he was playing with the Browns. He was playing okay. He wasn't a starter, but he, he was a contributor. And now he's been arrested again, this time for public indecency oh. and assaulting a deputy. So I, I don't know how many strikes a guy can have, uh, but this is this has got to be the final nail, at least for his NFL career. Well, he's uh, innocent until proven guilty, but certainly football teams, um, you don't have to be convicted of anything to get cut. And the NFL gets so much bad publicity for players behaving badly. I thought he was done after the Seahawks said, okay, we wasted a second round pick on this yeah, guy but he's you know what he's 25 and he still has a lot of talent oh yeah no this is one of those guys who it feels like the ceiling is wherever he wants to set it it's not like his 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 uh, ability caps out at some point he i just, have another geek of the week damn okay keep uh, it going. former uh, michigan president mark schlissel oh the schliss what a clown i'm so glad he's gone <sighs> not a good university president so does john vaughn go home now 
No one's I, I just talk, saw you know, in the you know news a hundred days he's been camped out yeah. in front of the president's. And, and uh, all he wants you know. is an ear. You know, he just wants someone to to listen to him. And the regents won't do it. And Schlissel definitely wasn't going to do it. I don't know if Mary Sue Coleman, the old president, who's now the interim president, if she'll do it. My guess would be no, just because you know. Oh, Got to keep should. those payments down. Of course. They, but she should. It's an easy one. ML, it is the easiest thing to do. And yet they've all refused. But uh, he's definitely a geek for, uh, I don't know if you read any of the emails and how he hit on this subordinate at work, which violated the rules he created after uh, Martin Filbert, uh, a provost there, got in a little bit of uh, sexual trouble. So uh, good riddance. Yeah, no. Schlissel, Schlissel, um, uh, tried to dance around the Dr. Anderson thing, um, was accused of maybe knowing about the provost's uh, sexual oh, harassment he did. There's and, no doubt and he not did. really doing anything they about work, it. They work in the same building. Right. And he, he should know. And he was already on thin ice with the, uh, is it the Regents, Board of Regents there? Uh, uh, yeah, and that's really also what it boils down to is money because the Regents were not happy with um, how he would you know treat donors because that's an important job of a president. But the whole uh, Michigan, the business school downtown, he kind of kept that secret from the regents who are his boss. And I don't know. He's, do you know how many sexual um, impropriety cases that he's had since his time as president since 2014 on? I have no idea. Seven. Seven that he's presided over, and he's handled them all poorly. So Wow. Well, I'll tell you, as someone who's seen a few text messages in his day, the emails and the messages between him and the subordinate, uh, you know, they they all seem pretty PG to me. Yeah. But when you have a zero tolerance policy, zero means zero, and um, and yeah, he just didn't seem to engage. The, re- uh, with the regents very did long. want him out, and he gave them all the ammunition they needed. Well, now that he's a tenured professor, doesn't he? He get to, he is like like a two million dollars to create a lab and do. I mean, that's all gone, I believe. That that was kind of his parting package. This two year transition where he got his full presidential salary of. Like nine hundred and sixty thousand, I believe that is all gone. He is still a tenured professor, though. But I gotta imagine that the uh, re- tenure review board will will strip that away from him. Well, I thought I saw something in the news of the Free Press talking about a morals clause in his contract yep. that may avoid some of those things. But if he sticks around on campus, not a good idea. Yeah, he's got a pretty pretty good deal there. So beat those two geeks. Wow. Well, well, before I get to that <laughs> geek, um, uh, this would be an ungeek, I guess. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that a judge ruled that the prosecution of Luanna Simon, the Michigan state president who resigned under a cloud, mm-hmm. that the AG's case against her for covering up uh, Dr. Nasser's crimes was a joke, that it was politically motivated and had no merit whatsoever. I don't know where that case is going to go, but uh, but it's been been tough, tough uh, few years for the presence of Michigan's two most uh, esteemed public universities and of course there's been lots of feuding between the board of governors and the president of uh, wayne state in the past few years but you know hey it's tough to have one of those jobs they get paid a lot that's why you get paid a lot i think they know what they're in for when they take them so uh so yeah so okay two two good geeks well i i've got a couple of good geeks myself they are los angeles police officers who were responding to an armed robbery in progress call when they got a more important call snorlax was near. Yes, they uh, were captured on video in their car on their way to respond to an armed robbery in, in progress at a Macy's in L.A. when uh, somebody uh, realized 
but this was a, a Pokemon Go prime oh, opportunity. Boy. Officer Eric Mitchell, and this is according to a report in The Guardian, Officer Eric Mitchell alerted Officer Louis Lozano that Snorlax just popped up at 46th and Limert. The Guardian says when their car stopped again, the digital in-camera system recorded Mitchell saying, don't run away, don't run away, while Lozano described how he buried it and ultra-bailed or ultra balled. Let me oh, double check that. Older I'm, these I'm not as up on uh, Pokemon Go as you would think. Uh, buried an ultra balled a Pokemon character before announcing, got him. Oh boy. When officers got their Pokemon, LAPD decided to go get them. And they are both now no longer LA police officers, but they are our Geek of the Week. <laughs> And now we come to Sean's favorite part of the show, Room <laughs> 7609, where we try and introduce you to some new wave bands you never heard about, or we play some great songs by new wave bands that you somehow missed. And one of my favorite parts of this feature is when we hear from listeners who have suggestions. Last week, Todd wanted the jam, arguing that they qualify as a new wave band. He says that he has a broader definition of new wave than I do. That's hard to imagine because I'll throw just about anything from the late 70s, the 80s, and maybe even the early 90s into the new wave category. But Todd said we should try Boy About Town by the, by, uh, the jam. So... Let's check out Paul Weller and friends and then talk a little bit about whether this qualifies as New Wave Gold. Put you in the bin. You're walking around on the boy back town that you heard of. 
So I heard that, and it felt to me a little more rocky than new wavy. Yeah, a little uh, kind of punkish too, a little uh, sky. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely some ska influence, which is is new wavy and uh, very danceable. That's new wavy too. But when I first started listening to, it, I thought, boy, oh boy, Paul Weller must love the Kinks because it made me feel like I was listening to Ray Davies and the Kinks. Yeah. And in reading up on the jam, the Kinks and and the Who and sort of the whole mod movement were very influential on the jam. Uh, we have played uh, Paul Weller before on this show, right around when he was in town playing at St. Andrew's Hall a couple of years ago, because he was the front man of a very uh, new wave band, the Style Council, mm. a great band that he formed with um, with a keyboard player. Um, but when I, when I listen to this, I, I, I'm, I'm always struck by the jam, you know, you know, their music, you may not know that song, uh, which is why it's great that Todd has, has brought it to our attention, but you know, that's entertainment, you know, a town called malice, you know, those are, those are, are pretty solid tunes. The jam were an incredibly successful band, like almost everything they did was a big hit. I think they had 15 top singles. They did four albums, all of which, you know, charted very well. And then Paul Weller just said, I'm done. I, I, I'm out. I'm going to start, you know, doing Why? something else. Why? Weird dude, because... Uh, what is he doing now? Well, he, he tours as Paul Weller, and he'll play some jam tunes. I think he plays some style counts, if I recall correctly. But his thing was he felt like they were at the top of their powers and he didn't want it to drag on. He was also a younger guy then, so maybe he was thinking, you know, I got lots of other stuff to do. And you don't know what the tensions were like inside the band, sort of a small sure. group. And um, and apparently the other members of the band did not speak to him for years because they felt like they had a good thing going. They were and probably just starting them. to get some money in their pocket. I think he did most of the songwriting so you know they're going to get their money from album sales and touring whereas he's going to get publishing so they're probably thinking "Ooh, this is really starting to pay off and say way to go wait a minute you know the the bell cow's gone what are we going to do now and their their individual efforts have not uh fared quite as well but um but but paul weller is known as the mod father because while other post-punk groups were kind of angry young men and were um, were you know pins through the head and and ripped yeah. up denim and everything like that. These guys dressed like the Beatles. These guys dressed in the mid to late seventies, like they were out of the early to mid sixties, because he by design thought that was a cool look. It would set them apart. And they also took kind of a different tack where they would criticize some of the, the roughnecks and some of the troublemakers where they sort of, you know, got pigeonholed a little bit. Oh, they're a very conservative band. They're very establishment. But then a lot of their songs, um, Town Called Malice being one of them, really speak to a lot of the unhappiness and a lot of the discontent that working class people felt in England. And um, so uh, very interesting cat uh i'm you know hey if they want to be new wave um i'll call them new wave but uh but uh i like it it works yeah good job todd it's good stuff is and it todd month is that what it is or is it paul what were we gonna what, who was the listener we're gonna 
well, with every song for it, him? It's it's funny you should say that because we're going to be talking oh, okay, great. about uh, about uh, the potential for a Todd month uh, coming up <laughs> real soon. But but first we want to thank the people who support this show, not only our sponsors, uh, Hall Financial and Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth Management, but you. Uh, I'm speaking specifically of Kristen, Bryant, and Todd, who consistently support this show with a donation. Any amount is appreciated. And special thanks to new donor James, who made a generous gift to the soul of Detroit. So thank you for helping us stay afloat. Mark, um, I know that the, coming up with the money may be hard, but giving it to us is pretty easy. Super simple. MLSolarDetroit.com. Donate button. Opens up your PayPal, and you can dump all your coins in there. Wow. That is that is easy. So um, easy. And uh, if you have a product or a business or an event that you'd like us to talk about, uh, feel free to sponsor the show. We will sh- we will sell you at a very, very moderate sum uh, an opportunity to get your message out on the soul of Detroit. A um, lot of feedback that we're trying to catch up with. We, uh, we had some from a while ago that because of some Zoom issues, we wanted to wait so that we didn't break up so you could hear these these wise words with no technical <laughs> interruptions. And right at the top list is John, who writes, Happy New Year, ML. I wish someone in the Detroit media or elected leaders would go after DTE for all of the money they spend on advertising. Amen. All this money wasted on expensive ads on the 6 o'clock news and radio. They don't need to advertise. They are a monopoly. And I really want to know how much money they spend on renaming Pine Knob. If I want to find out what's going on at DT, I will go to their website. Imagine how many more trees could be trimmed if they just diverted their advertising money yes. to that. Yes. I wish that someone would hold their feet to the fire. Well, John... They treat advertising as PR. It drives me up a wall. Well, John is somewhat prescient because we just learned after he sent us this email that DTE, Music Theater, is reverting back to Pine Knob. And it actually has a super cool logo. I don't know if you yeah. saw that new Yeah, logo. it looks good. And the reason it's reverting really is because their 20-year naming right deal is up. And they decided not to do it. Now, so we do have a couple answers because of that news. But they do have two new sponsors at Pine Knob, and they said, no, let's just keep it Pine Knob and then put our logos underneath it. Yeah, and they're going to have an entrance named after them yeah. and everything like that. So maybe there was a calculation where people said, of course there was. if we love a place and you put your name on it, we will not love you for taking away the name of a place we love. I'm not sure, but the new sponsors are taking more of a, uh, more of a uh, low-profile uh, role. Um, we do know from some of the news that, that Pine Knob initially was paying a million dollars a year for the sponsorship for the first 10 years. They renewed, and we don't know how much that was for, but I suspect it was probably in the ballpark. Um, and this is a story that I have worked on a little bit over the years, trying to determine how much of that advertising, because they sponsor things at Comerica Park and almost yeah. everywhere you go, how much of that goes back to ratepayers. John may be somewhat happy, if not entirely happy, to know that only a portion of that advertising goes into what you pay for your power bill because the Attorney General has opposed some of this uh, cost and maybe the Public Service Commission has also opposed it, but that million dollars a year did not all come from you. Some of it came from what would have gone to shareholders So you don't subsidize all the advertising, but they are pretty much a monopoly. So you would think that you don't really need to tell everybody to get your power from DTE when you have no choice but to get your power from DTE. Um, Todd with two Ds weighs in after (laughs) Todd with one D weighed in with a suggestion for Room 7609 that prompted Mark to suggest an all-Todd theme month. month. 
So Todd with two D says, as another listener named Todd, I fully endorse Mark's suggestion for a Todd month. All right. So Nothing wrong with a Todd month? What would we What would we play in Todd month? Whatever the Todds want. Oh really? Okay. I thought I, guess. You, I thought it'd be bands, you know, like <laughs> like Todd Rundgren. Know. Or, oh, it could uh, be that too. I'm not I sure don't know Big how many Head new Todd waves. And the Monsters yeah. really fits in the new wave uh, category. But um, so if you like Todd Month, send us a suggestion <laughs> at mlsoulofdetroit <laughs> at gmail.com or give us a phone call at 313 uh, Butterfield 89070. Yep. That's 313 288 and suggest a Todd themed <laughs> song. We're going to, we're going to. We're going to take just what, about anything you can come yeah. up with if we're going to do a whole I month like we've on this. we created more work for ourselves. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should do it in February. I think there's no chance we'll have more than four Tuesdays <laughs> in February. So we are open to Todd Month, but you're going to have to help get us there, people. Um, Nick says of last week's episode, which was headlined Creeper of the House, it's so damn funny and so sticky. So he likes that headline. Worthy of a New York Post cover. Great show this week. Hearing that background on the Chatfield and Kilpatrick stuff is awesome content. And here's where I should mention when we talked about the similarities and differences between the Lee Chatfield sex scandal and the Kwame Kilpatrick scandal that was only partly about sex. Mm -hmm. I forgot to mention the biggest difference, and that is that Kwame Kilpatrick spent $8 million of taxpayer money to cover up his affair and his illegal firing of police or retaliation against police for doing their jobs. Now, maybe Lee Chatfield spent some public money to further his dances. More on that later. Yeah. But that's a huge difference and one that uh, I apologize as the world's foremost expert on the uh, on the <laughs> mischief of Kwame Kilpatrick. How did I forget the eight mil? Kind of, kind of a major oversight on my part, so I apologize. Uh, Sophie writes, hope you and Mr. Windsor are feeling better. May I ask you to sort of an inside baseball journalism question. On Sunday, there was a free press cover story, a 5,000-word exclamation point, expose into a large predatory school called Baker College. It's a great piece. An amazing piece of journalism, and your friend Mr. Schaefer was its editor. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, since you've written so many big stories, I'm wondering if you think that was one of those stories that has the newsroom buzzing before it went live and put on the front page of the Sunday edition. I'll say no just because there's, newsroom? there's nobody in the newsroom. <laughs> there's no newsroom anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the editors were very excited about it. And whatever reporters knew about it, um, I'm sure they were proud that the Free Press turned out good work like that. And, and here's what the story is in a nutshell. It was written by the Free Press's award-winning education reporter, David Jesse, higher education reporter, and Anna Clark of ProPublica, uh, a nonprofit national investigative reporting entity. They teamed up to show that Baker College, which says it's going to help kids get jobs and make a lot of money, does a better job of putting people in debt than it does putting them into a higher tax bracket. So you should definitely check that out. You can find it at freep.com. You'll probably have to subscribe. It's well worth the money. And right now the free press is running a promotion where you can get a six month subscription for $1, which is cheaper than it would be to buy that Sunday paper. So think about subscribing to support that kind of journalism. It's interesting too, because uh, you know, the, the main headline of it is that bigger college spends more on marketing than financial aid. And I wondered as soon as I saw them, like, they ever spend any money with the free press because that's that's good then if they did that they have some balls to go after them even if they have marketing money oh yeah well the free press has investigated dan gilbert who's their landlord yeah and i'm sure rock financial advertises and i know dan gilbert doesn't like being criticized so they've been they've been pretty brave about stuff like that 
Um, Sophie goes on to ask, is there a broader reaction, say, from Dana Nessel, the attorney general, or a federal agency uh, that a newsroom is hoping to elicit with such a piece? Well, you know, as reporters, we just tell people what we found and, uh, and hope that they'll do something about it if they think there's something wrong. Um, so I don't know that that piece was done with an eye towards making something happen. But I think the reporters, if it turns out there was something illegal they revealed, would be gratified that somebody tried to right a wrong because whatever you believe about the media, most reporters, particularly local reporters, just want to see things get better in the world around them. And, um, and you know, another interesting piece, in, uh, a part of that, that report was that, um, that Baker College has a $300 million dollar endowment, which is bigger than several colleges in the state of Michigan. And, you know, usually colleges will subsidize their operation by taking the the interest off the endowment, which so basically it's, you got $300 million every year that probably throws off like $24 million in interest. And you invest that in the college or projects or stuff like that. It sounds like that endowment is just growing and growing and growing. Who knew Baker College was so big that it would be sitting on $300 million dollars and uh, i i sent a note to one of the authors of that piece saying great story boy that endowment looks really big i wonder what's going on they're like we wonder that too mm. so there may be some more digging i don't know but uh last comment from sophie of course a story like that informs prospective students across the state well it does only if they're consuming the news so hopefully people saw that and then as they're looking at uh, how to better themselves they will act accordingly um Mark, I, I, I think we both agree we'd like to see Sean get better and get back in studio soon. Uh, what else is going on, man? I don't know. Uh, Joe, what's going on? And, and that's about it. That's and all. that's uh, episode two. Update on Zoovstopia. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> J-World. We're still, we're still zoov, zooming with Zoovs, the, the Zoov master. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get much out of them, though. That's it. So anyways. It's great about them. He's, you know, he's a man who who speaks softly and carries a big um, gross keyboard. Oh, yeah, because he he does all the technical stuff. He's our wizard. And Sean is doing better, but he's still still under the weather. Still under the weather. Okay. Well, one of the things I know would help make Sean happy and and Joe as well is if you would subscribe to YouTube channel ML Elric, where we do our live broadcast every Tuesday. You can also catch it on Facebook page ML Elric. But do you really want to put any more money in Facebook's pocket? They don't put any into ours. So we'd love it if you would subscribe to us. And uh, when you subscribe, you'll get alerts when there's new content out there. So YouTube's really good like that. We, of course, would love it if you would share the show, rate the show, um, send us your feedback on how we're doing, and uh, and subscribe to the show. And if you got some spare time, of course, Drew and Mike is on every day. Great show. Charlie Duff's on once a week. Good stuff. Check it out. And until next week, Cyrus. Oh, and next week we might be talking. You know? Well, because I'm thinking next week we might be talking about about more public corruption. So I want to leave on a cliffhanger. Oh, okay. I'm, and then, I'm and then hooked. The, I'll be here. The ventilation kind of died on me, and, and, I, and when the fan died down, it's like, oh, it's well, finish strong. So peaceful. Now I'm going to let Cyrus finish strong by <laughs> taking us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> 
to create a character who leaves a mark on the society that strikes a chord that resonates. Alric did that. It made the world stand up and listen. Fascinating. If there was a word you would use to sum up or describe, what would that be for you? Noble. Dignity. Artist. Integrity. Humble. The first word that does come to mind is loving. Love. It's definitely just love. I have been and always shall be your friend.